Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ. They are all declining. The afternoon call brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments. L-L-C. Now let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. And here's Bill Maloney. And good afternoon, Charlie. Like you said, stocks are trading lower today with the Dow currently down 20 points. SEBs drop 11 and the Nasdaq declines by 30. The small cap 600 is down 10 points and the U.S. 10-year yield at 2.16%. Nine of the main 11 SB sectors are trading lower, led by losses in energy, consumer discretionary, and the industrials. Only healthcare and utilities gained. NASA Biotech's outperformed, gained 49 points. Transports fall 150, semis sink 7, and the VIX is higher by 3.2%. Leaders said the upside in the Dow are Merck, Pfizer, and American Express, while GE and Nike led to the downside. Regarding movers, Chipotle fell as much as 7.3% on higher marketing costs, while Regeneron gained 5% after the price target was raised to a street high 557 per share over at Piper. Note that FedEx and Adobe report after the bell. Live from the first of News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Charlie? All right. Thank you very much. And we'll be all over those earnings reports after the bell to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg. Type a squawk, S-Q-U-A-W-K, on your terminal. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie. Thank you so much. Charlie Pellet with a Bloomberg Business News Flash. This is Bloomberg Markets right here on Bloomberg Radio. Slip sliding away. Slip sliding Paul Simon makes it sound gentle, but there's nothing gentle in the slide of the price of crude oil. Liam Denning joins us right now from Bloomberg Gadfly uh, to to help explain to me what the heck is going on, Liam. Uh, it's too much oil, Corey. <laughs> okay. Our next guest will be... <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving you know right along. Thus has been the um, case for a long time. The ability to turn on horizontally drilled wells and fracked wells and so on uh, has been there for, you know, a decade. What's What's happening today? I mean, I think what's what's happening at the moment is OPEC's getting kind of called out, right? So if you go back a few years to um, to late 2014, we had that big OPEC Thanksgiving meeting where essentially the Saudis said, we're going to keep pumping and uh, let the price find its level. And they did that, and the oil price crashed. It went from, you know, triple digits down to about, you know, 30 or 40 bucks. And that was actually kind of the rational thing to do, right? You um, you take market share and you force the higher cost players out. The problem is um, shale has been more resilient than people thought, um, largely because it's been able to um, both become more productive by experimenting with different types of drilling, also because it's backed by the... Uh, seemingly uh, undaunted uh, capital markets, uh, people willing to basically lend to these companies and buy their, buy their new shares whenever they, whenever they put them to the market. Meanwhile, countries like uh, Saudi Arabia and many OPEC members who are actually weaker just really can't withstand this sort of fiscal pressure um, for that long. So they've had a rethink, they've instituted supply cuts, but it's really not working quickly enough. So what's the real problem in terms of 
dealing with this oversupply, especially when you've got Middle Eastern nations whose economies depend largely on oil production. Um, how do you unwind that? Uh, well, messily, I think. I mean, the, the way the way to think about it is that there's, there's sort of two there's sort of two costs to consider when you think about the oil price. So. There's the one we're all familiar with, which is what's the cost to produce a barrel of oil, depending on where you are. So, you know, you go to the Permian Shale in Texas, and most people will tell you it's, you know, somewhere between 35 and $55 a barrel. You go to Saudi Arabia, and most people will tell you it's 10 to 20 bucks. But that's not the real cost, because the real cost is how much money they need to, um, to pay for their public spending in an economy that is wholly dependent on oil. It's very bloated. And so they're trying to reform that. The problem is, you know, if you think about it, say a shale producer comes under pressure in Texas. Now, they can pull all sorts of levers to try and deal with that. They can, you know, lay off workers. They can experiment with different types of drilling. They can go get a loan, that sort of thing. And the worst that can happen is they'll go bankrupt and their assets will get handed over to someone else. If you're a country like Saudi Arabia or Iraq or Venezuela, uh, if things go wrong there, you potentially end up with riots or right. maybe even worse. Um, and I think what, what's happened is th- the impact of shale is such that it's exposing the weakness at the heart of OPEC and at the heart of the old regime uh, that used to manage prices in the oil market for the last 30 or 40 years. So we talk about disruption, so now we're having the oil market slowly disrupted. I mean, it's got to change. Well, it is changing, right? Uh, The question is how do people adapt? Um, And it isn't just on the supply side. So so you do have that on the supply side. You've got to say, okay, companies have to cut costs. That's what they're doing. Countries like Saudi Arabia are trying to reform or at least have laid out plans to do that, but it's going to be very difficult to change those societies, and that could be potentially very disruptive. The third aspect, obviously, is also on the demand side, which people tend to forget about. You know, we're used to thinking over the last, again, over the last 30, 40, 50 years, demand for oil only ever goes up. People always say it goes up by a million barrels a year. It has tended to do that. The problem is we are also facing disruption on that side as well. China isn't growing as strong as it was. I don't think India will necessarily be big enough to replace it. We've also got technologies like electric vehicles coming into the mix. The point is oil now, the price of oil, um, we're coming towards a period where oil is not only going to have to um, be priced for what its suppliers need in order to survive, it's also going to have to compete, which to some degree it's never really had to do. Uh, it's, it's interesting, too, and that's not going to turn around with solar and everything else getting cheaper and cheaper. No, those are fairly implacable forces, um, and they may not be around the corner, but the problem is if you're running a, a country like Saudi Arabia, you have to be thinking, you know, 10, 20 years down the line. You can't be simply thinking, you know, over the next 12 months. So it's very difficult for those countries. Uh, just quickly, 10 seconds, you continue to see pressure in the short term, at least on the uh, oil market? I think so. There is this view that uh, markets will come into balance somewhat over the summer. Thus right. far, we're seeing some weakness on gasoline, which counts against that. Yep. But I, I, I can't see it really rising that much through the course of the year. Liam Denning of Bloomberg Gadfly joining us right here on Bloomberg Radio.